Well, good morning. You know, every time that um, I'm in this situation, I, I, I really have come to appreciate so much more Jeff Kreider and Jeremy and others that do this week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out. Just, I think sometimes it's too easy for me to take for granted what goes into a very thoughtful presentation of God's Word to us each Sunday morning. And uh, just really feel a great sense of gratitude for Jeff and Jeremy and others that have done that so faithfully for this church for so long. And uh, just really appreciate that. I pray that uh, God will use his message and maybe my words this morning to help us maybe to grow a little bit this morning from just looking at uh, some things in his word and hopefully some things that will encourage us to be more like Jesus in our, our daily walk. So uh, last fall, Jeff and the, the leadership really began thinking about 2022. What, what was it as a church that we would uh, like to pursue to be the kind of church that God wants us to be? Um, and thinking about the challenges that lie before us, hopefully coming out of this pandemic, um, really trying to, to think about what makes the most sense for us as a church to, to really try to seek what it is that God wants McKnight Crossings to be doing. And, um, <clears throat> and out of that came these seven values that we've been talking about over the last few weeks uh, that we really pray will become a part of this church and continue to be a part of this church as we move forward uh, in 2022. And as we thought about those values, uh, <clears throat> we feel that these values should guide this church and felt like they should be, certainly number one, be based upon God's word. You know, that that should be what guides us in developing anything that we, we want to really be a, a major part of, of guiding this church. And we want, it to be, we want these values to be evident in everything we do as a church, everything that we do. And we want these things to be the things that we are known for when people think about McKnight Crossings, Church of Christ, that these will be the, the things that come to mind about this church. And these, we want these things to be what we constantly strive to grow and excel in as a church. And certainly we want these things to be things that we're constantly in prayer about and that we're constantly teaching about. So these seven values were chose, uh, chosen um, as best describing what we want this community of faith to own and pursue. Could there be more? Could there be different ones? Sure. Um, but we have prayerfully considered these and want to intentionally pursue and develop these at McKnight Crossings. So uh, we have those seven qualities. That next slide, I think. Um, first week, Jeremy started us off with a very, very key value. We want to be a church that is spirit-led. It's very critical that we are prayerfully asking for God's direction through his spirit and then be willing to take action as his spirit moves us. Then the next week, 
Jeremy explained to us the importance of raising up the next generation in faith, in God, and in Jesus. How important is that? It's a crucial investment. <coughs> it's a crucial investment for us and most constantly addressed, must be constantly addressed in all that we do as a church. And all of us have a role in that. All of us have a role in passing those truths of God on to the next generation. Then the next week, um, we talked about family. Jason Vincent did such a good job in really explaining how important a sense of family is for a church in a community of faith. Experiencing life by enjoying service together, struggling together, sacrificially sharing with each other, and growing together. A great lesson. And then last week, Lane talked about adaptability, being an adaptable church, meaning being willing to change to better honor God in all that we do. And we need a willingness to change as needed to better honor God. And let the word of God penetrate our hearts and then make a decision to do what we need to do. Be adaptable. Today, we're going to discuss how important it is for a church to be one that shows generosity. And I know some of you are thinking, okay, it's done. He's going to talk about the budget and how we need to give to, to meet our budget here at McKnight Crossings. But it's not. It is so much more than that, and we believe is so vital to the health of us as individuals and to the health of us as a church. And next week, Jeff Fogarty is going to talk about being a missional church. And I know this is a passion of his, and I look forward to hearing what he has to share with us uh, next week about that. So generosity. First, let me say that as a premise to what I say today, that I believe there's a difference between giving and generosity. And hopefully, that will be one of the takeaways for us today. So I first looked up definitions of generosity that are out there in today's dictionaries. <clears throat> the quality of being kind, understanding, and not selfish the quality of being generous, especially, the willingness to give money and other valuable things to others, the quality of being kind and generous, the quality or fact of being plentiful or large, the concept of going or giving above and beyond what might be expected, the quality that is a, a lot like unselfishness, Someone showing generosity is happy to give time, money, food, or kindness to people in need. <clears throat> the virtue of giving good things to others freely and abundantly. <clears throat> For an individual or a church to really grasp this concept of generosity, I, I think they have to understand they need to move from just acts of giving to an attitude of generosity. 
Generosity is so much more than giving money. I believe when we can truly practice generosity, good things, evidences of generosity will naturally flow. When we understand what generosity means, giving's not going to be a problem. <clears throat> so the question that I think we need to ask is, where does this attitude of generosity come from? Where does it come from? I think it'd be a rare person, in my opinion, that an attitude of generosity didn't flow from a deep sense of gratitude for generosity shown to them. A generous person has experienced generosity. As Christians, I don't think we have to look very far <clears throat> to see the reason for that gratitude. And the first passage I want us to look at is in Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> verses 3 through 14. And I'm going to need to turn around and read this. <clears throat> Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. <clears throat> we have been saved, forgiven, cleansed. We have a hope that does not perish, that's confirmed and that is waiting for us. We have the Spirit of God living in us. We have blessings upon blessings that come from being in Christ. This is an important lesson. So much so that Jesus used a parable, I think, in Matthew 18 to really show the importance of generosity stemming from gratitude for what we have received. Again, this idea that our generosity is going to stem from the gratitude for what we've received. And that parable, it was a man, we, we all know this parable, it was a man who owed his master the equivalent of millions and millions of dollars. And the master was ready to throw the man and his family into torturous servitude until he paid it back. But the man pleaded for his and his family's life. And you know what happens. <clears throat> The master not only relented, he canceled the debt 
that could probably never have been repaid. Then you know what happens. That servant goes out immediately, it says, and finds a man who owes him a small amount, a day's wages, and threw him in prison. Well, the master finds out, and bad things happen to that ungrateful servant. I think the lesson is that he did not let the gratitude he should have had for the generosity showed him affect how he dealt with his fellow man. An important lesson. So what does a church full of generosity look like? Well, I think it's full of welcoming faces. I think it's a sharing place. I think it's a caring place. It's a safe place, a happy place, and a fair place to be. I got to thinking about how does McKnight Crossings Church of Christ show its generosity? Well, I think there are many ways, more than we could look at this morning, but I put together a small collage of pictures just from our archives to, to to show some of those. There's Acts. There's our block parties. There's sow and grow. There's our VBS. There's our Honduras trip. The winter wonderland. Work days at the church building and in people's homes and yards. There are countless other examples that I could have shown uh, of individuals and this church showing generosity, using their gifts to bless others. The important message, again, I think, is that an attitude of generosity comes from realizing the great generosity shown us but it also comes from the perfect example of Jesus in his ministry, how he dealt with people, encounter after encounter. Philippians 2 encapsulates this principle so well, one of my favorite passages, this principle that true generosity has to stem from an attitude that counts the interest of others before our own, the attitude of Christ Jesus himself. This attitude of generosity that goes beyond and above what is expected. Let's read that Philippians 2 passage. I think it's so powerful. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then it goes on to say, what is that? Well, that's counting Jesus counting himself is it equivalent to God, giving that up. He emptied himself and became the form of a servant and even went to the 
to his death on a cross for us. <clears throat> well, my sweet mother had this in spades. I remember so vividly when I was in early high school, we had a clothes drive here at this very church. <clears throat> so mom told me that I should go through my closet and put together some clothes that uh, we could donate, knowing that, like most kids, I had certainly more clothes than I needed. And I was happy to do that. You know, surely I had some old t-shirts and clothes that I didn't wear anymore. Well, you know, she couldn't leave it at that. She had to stir the pot a little bit. <clears throat> um, she she uh, challenged me to think about not giving away just my old stuff, but consider giving away some of my best. Thinking about what I would like to receive if I was on the other end of those gifts. Wow. <clears throat> so jumping out of my closet was the brand new green and yellow plaid short sleeve Nehru shirt that I had just gotten. It was fire, let me tell you. <laughs> Big swallow. So her teachable moment worked, and my favorite shirt went to someone I hope was thrilled. <laughs> I won't say that I had the appropriate attitude of generosity uh, at that point, uh, that particular day, but I think an important seed was planted that I've never forgotten. A better example, a biblical example, is the story of uh, the widow and her gift of her mites. The bottom line in that story was, I don't think so much about the amount of her gift, but the attitude of generosity behind the gift, her generous spirit. Going above and beyond what was expected, she counted others more important than herself, and I truly believe this widow, despite her dire circumstances, was happy to give, gave generously, and with a spirit of thanksgiving and gratefulness. Hopefully, we're starting to see that our giving and generosity is more <clears throat> than our attitude, uh, more about our attitude than the actual act. I believe we show our generosity as a church as we serve the oppressed, the widows, the orphans, the poor, the divorced, the sick, the imprisoned. Uh, Steve Autry sent the leadership a quote uh, from Carson Reed. Uh, who is on faculty at ACU, runs their graduate program there in the Bible department, and the son of our Mary Ellen Reed. It was from one of his recent articles. I'd like to, to read it. It's a very powerful statement. <clears throat> Early Christian communities were committed to discipleship. Forming people in the content of the Christian faith mattered. Yet the formation of disciples was less about doctrine and more about practices. Early Christians were taught to pray, to take care of the poor, to live moral lives, to avoid political scandal, and to refuse to participate in violence toward others. What the public saw of Christians was not worship services or preaching, rather what ordinary citizens of the Roman world experienced from Christians were their character and disposition. 
Christians simply fed the poor, cared for abandoned children, provided protection and community for widows and the elderly. Christians acted justly in the marketplace and refused to be litigious. Christians were recognized by their habits and character. Very powerful uh, description of what I feel like a church should be. And it's, what, it's a great description of what a church should look like. He goes on in the article to say that the way early Christians evangelized was not through their worship services or Bible studies, but through their radically different lives, character, and disposition, and habits. On Pentecost, this very different lifestyle caused people to ask, what does this mean? And it gave Peter then the opportunity to speak the gospel to them, and then they ask, what shall we do? We have some great examples of this type of service here at McKnight Crossings that go on all the time. And again, I'm not going to be able to cover them all, but they're just, just people trying to be generous in reaching out to people. <clears throat> I've seen widows in this congregation provide housing for the homeless when people needed that. I've seen brothers like Keaton Jones who has done countless construction services for free for those who could not otherwise have had them done but had a great need. I've seen Bob and Mary Jo Connolly and now Barb Eichley and their volunteers serve countless families with much needed food and attention. I've seen many families in this congregation provide beds and bedding to families that needed them, that were sleeping on the floor. <clears throat> I've seen Dave Weiler for years provide financial counseling to families to help them in a, help them to, to be able to deal with these things that they really needed help in. And then as we've talked here recently about AJ and Susan with the AXE program, untold generosity to hundreds, hundreds of college students needing strong spiritual connection while here away from home at school. Ben Maringer and Collins Quarter and all the work they did with room, have done with the room at the end, providing such needed services for the people who have no home. And then Brett Ferguson's one of my great heroes, just celebrated 20 years of sobriety. He has such a passion to help others who struggle with the same thing, as well as a passion for medical missions. And Jason Benson, our resident Michigan State Spartan basketball player, <laughs> providing basketball clinics for young men in our neighborhoods and in our church. And then as a church, we sponsor such great organizations like Christian Family Services that provide so many wonderful services to people in desperate need and families. You heard this morning, Neatez Bryant, I just love this story, you know, about how Camp Neatez affects people's lives, and we participate in that. We have the opportunity for that. Our missionaries, we have missionaries in foreign countries that are proclaiming God's word, and we get the chance to help support them and to encourage them in the work that they're doing. 
And I said, there's countless other ways that this church shows generosity day in and day out, and I'm grateful for that. Here's the point that I highlighted in my notes. How we treat others is indicative of what we believe about our God. So how we treat others is indicative of what we believe about God. Again, it's not so much the acts of giving, but the attitude behind the giving. And that is what will make us a generous church. As we seek to grow, to emerge out of this horrible pandemic, let's seek to be a church that is known for its generosity as one of its core values. I believe that will happen when each of us determines to use our gifts to bless others, to get involved, and not just attend, but to seek to serve, help each other serve in ways that bless people, step up and be a teacher, sign up for the nursery, volunteer at the food pantry, bring your presence and gifts to a small group, encourage our missionaries, and yes, give financially to the work of this church to reach out and draw people to Jesus and do it intentionally with a spirit of generosity and a cheerful heart, like that widow. My prayer is our attitude of generosity will overflow into thankfulness and praise and worship to our God. And that generosity will always flow from the indescribable gift we have so freely received from our Heavenly Father. Will you pray with me? Father, we are grateful. Please remind us and help us to remind each other the reasons we have to be so grateful. We sang about them this morning. Jesus paid it all. Amazing grace. The chains are gone. We have so much to be grateful for. And we pray that out of that gratefulness will flow the generosity that will lead us to continue to serve you in every way that you've given us gifts to serve you. Help us as individuals to step up and to really apply our, ourselves to serving you in a way that will, again, lift others and serve others. Uh, we're thankful for just the, the many acts of generosity that we see every day in this church, people that, that give so much of their time, their money, their efforts, everything, Lord, to, to you, to to bring you glory. We're so thankful for just the opportunity to be together this morning to worship you, and we do worship you. We're thankful for you, and we're so grateful for the many blessings that you have given us. And we pray, Father, as we leave here today, we'll do so with a, a heart full of generosity that will help us to, to be the church in this neighborhood, in this city, in this country, this world that will always seek to honor you in everything that we do. We're grateful for your son, Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen.